As the web became much more complex, we now engage with multiple companies for each of those functions, including all the writing, editing, commenting, revising, and so on. Even a simple post like this one will involve the services of a few ISPs, a few email providers, a few cloud storage platforms, a few cloud text editors, a few image repositories, and who knows how many background services. And it's now happening to Lightning. Like any social system, our network is constantly evolving, and it looks very different now compared to how it looked in the beginning. Activity related to Lightning is becoming more specialized, and that specialization is both a symptom of and a catalyst for the growth of the network. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. We have got a uh, we've got a really good read today on Lightning. I haven't read Lightning in a while, um, and uh, Roy Scheinfeld has always had some really great pieces. Um, I recommend. I will have the link to just his entire his main Medium page and everything that they publish with Breeze Technology, um, because there's many, many things that I have not been able to cover on this show, um, but probably my two favorite things that he has hit on that I think really, really hit the nail on the head with the way lightning was evolving, basically as these things were coming into the psyche or coming into the mindset and the framework of how people were using lightning where the idea of LSPs, which I refresh again a little bit deeper in the guy's take, and then also one I actually forgot to mention, uh, was the idea of uh, lightning expansionism versus lightning purist, or essentially keeping lightning about payments rather than trying to make lightning also a data network and a... Uh, a way to serve information or streams of data, like basically using the internet, what the internet is for, and lightning for payments. But I thought that was really prescient at the time, and it kind of formalized an idea that I had been kind of thinking about, but I hadn't been able to put my finger on. Um, so I really, really liked that one. That one was called uh, Lightning and Lightning and the Internet Choosing the Right Path. So I will have that link in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to that episode, um, and obviously a link to everything that Breeze a number of different writings from Roy and the team over at Breeze. But today's is about the specialization that is emerging in Lightning and how, how we can view and understand how the Lightning Network is basically splitting up and subdividing roles and services and that this is likely going to accelerate and kind of how to see the big picture of what's going on right now. And it's called uh, the maturation of lightning growing up by going vertical. Um, and I can't remember, I might've been NVK actually that I saw tweet this or maybe somebody in the audio knots posted it. I will, I will confirm because if it's in the audio knots, I owe somebody some sats for pointing me towards this article, but real quick, I just want to thank our sponsors and we'll jump into the read a massive thank you to Swan Bitcoin for 
always being on top of everything that is happening in the space and just being such a go-to, reliable, stable resource in the space, both for knowledge, but also for my savings plan, for the withdrawal to my, my keys. Swan is just impossible to replace. Check them out, link in the show notes. Um, and also Fold, I got, I don't even know how many sats back. I had my utilities come in today and a few other bills. Um, and I got 2% on the first run with my utilities. I got a lot of great sats back today and it felt really good. Thank you to Fold for being the thing that pays me sats for my fiat life. And lastly, the cold card for keeping all of those sats cold because it's like a refrigerator and a calculator rolled into one, except that it's all metaphorical and it keeps your Bitcoin safe. Metaphors. You should check it out. There's nothing quite like the experience of hold, just tapping your cold card to your phone to send a transaction. It feels, it feels like magic. And you get 10% off with code Bitcoin Audible up until Christmas. Take advantage of it, guys. Take advantage. Show notes, location, links, discounts. Go there. All right. Let's get into today's read. And it's titled The Maturation of Lightning Growing Up by Going Vertical by Roy Scheinfeld. It's almost tautologically true that specialization within a social system increases with sophistication. In fact, increasing specialization could be one way to define social sophistication. Example 1. Our global society is pretty sophisticated. I know how to create products, ace a trivia contest about the wire, and find the best shawarma joints in Tel Aviv. But I have no idea how to knit, design an efficient photovoltaic cell, or where to go rock climbing around Maputo. We're all experts at something, learning more and more about less and less. Compare that with hunter-gatherer societies, where everyone can basically do everything. Everyone can weave a basket, catch a fish, light a fire, sing a song, recite the rules of the tribe, make a shelter, etc. Though their worlds are complex, their societies are simple, with very little internal differentiation or specialization. Example 2. In the early days of the web, companies like CompuServe and AOL were basically one-stop online shops. They were ISPs providing basic connectivity, email, social media, i.e. chat rooms, content in the form of news, weather, and so on, and search, often in the form of an actual curated directory. As the web became more complex, we now engage with multiple companies for each of those functions, including all the writing, editing, commenting, revising, and so on. Even a simple post like this one will involve the services of a few ISPs, a few email providers, a few cloud storage platforms, a few cloud text editors, a few image repositories, and who knows how many background services. And now, it's happening to Lightning. Like any social system, our network is constantly evolving, and it looks very different now compared to how it looked in the beginning. Activity related to Lightning is becoming more specialized, and that specialization is both a symptom of and catalyst for the growth of the network. And then there was lightning, and it was good. Back in the early days of lightning, we're talking like 2018, there were basically only two kinds of company, 
First were the infrastructure companies that built the early implementations of the network. Lightning Labs got started early with L&D. Further north on the same coast, Blockstream was working on C-Lightning, which they've since rebranded as Core Lightning. Half a world and a hop or two away, Eclair was emerging in France. Then there were the wallets, which came in roughly three flavors. The early custodial wallets, like Wallet of Satoshi and Blue Wallet, offered relatively simple UXs, but they took custody of users' funds. The early non-custodial wallets, like Eclair, Zap, and SBW, or Simple Bitcoin Wallet, presented the opposite trade-off. Full user custody with a sometimes rocky user experience. Fortunately, the second-generation wallets, like Phoenix and Breeze, followed close behind, and they started treating the user experience holistically, considering both users' desire to self-custody their Bitcoin and to move it without manually opening, funding, and balancing channels. This was Lightning's proof-of-concept phase. We proponents of Lightning were claiming that it was peer-to-peer money, Bitcoin for everyday purchases, and these were the basic technologies needed to transfer Bitcoin from one peer to another over the network. If the wallets and protocol implementations had proved unfeasible, there would have been little point in continuing. If you're wondering how the proof-of-concept went, read on and check out our Lightning in the Wild series about business and people who use Lightning as a matter of course. In effect, it was a community of dozens, maybe hundreds of people. Everyone knew everyone else, and we were all working on the same relatively fundamental problems. It was a simple social system, and there was little internal differentiation. We hunted, we gathered. Domesticating the Nodes Around 10,000 years ago, our hunter-gatherer ancestors got sick of chasing the animals and plants they needed to survive. And who could blame them? Talk about exhausting. So they switched tack and started domesticating plants and animals to have them closer to home. It must have been a great idea because it happened independently in several locations around the world. And this change had momentous consequences. The steepest growth in population ever. The advent of civilization in the sense of a city-based society. And an explosion of technologies from the wheel and architecture to centralized political systems and writing. The basic idea is that when people tame their environments, they have more time to work on complicated things like tax codes, fad diets, and open protocols. Lightning users' environment consists of nodes because nodes mediate all the interactions and transactions on the network. Domesticating them was the next step in Lightning's evolution. Just as those early wallets were picking up steam, node management tech for full nodes started to appear. Some, like Thunderhub, Ride the Lightning, among others, were effectively second-layer node management tech, helping users execute operations and adjust the configuration of their nodes. Others, like Raspy Blitz and Umbral, were designed to help users install and configure nodes. Such node management tech is easy to overlook in the evolution of Lightning, but it's important because it fosters decentralization, which is a value in itself and a vital means of maintaining the network's robustness. And the next phase of that evolution has already begun. Voltage, for example, offers scalable, enterprise-grade cloud nodes. Instead of a handy tool to run a node, companies can now rent a fully operational node with the capacity and connectivity they need on demand. Note that the benefits of node management tech are largely unintended. Just like whoever invented the wheel did not have high-speed rail and Swiss watches in mind, 
those who started working on node management tech probably just wanted more features for their own use. However, they're facilitating new network features that are vital to Lightning's robustness and growth. Liquidity triangles, LSPs, not to mention how they flatten the learning curve for incoming users. Just like hunter-gatherers achieved a quantitative and qualitative leap in the complexity of their societies when they tamed the things their societies depended on, plants and animals, the second phase in the evolution of lightning was a process of domesticating the nodes upon which our network depends. Going Vertical Early in the agrarian revolution, farmers actually refined their own products, and many still do. That is, a shepherd family might make and sell yarn, leather, milk, cheese, meat, sausages, and so on that they made themselves. Generally, though, the best sausage maker and the best cheese maker specialized to better serve their respective markets. After a few generations, neither can shear a sheep, but together they can compose a charcuterie board that would have shocked their ancestors with its decadence and refinement. After a few more generations, we have the current scenario, where I cannot make cheese or sausage, but I can debug in seven different languages. Just as civilization inevitably underwent and is always undergoing a process of vertical differentiation and specialization, which makes it more sophisticated, the current, expected, and vital trend in lightning is that companies are specializing in ever smaller niches to provide ever better user experiences. These niches are both functional and geographical. For example, OpenNode quickly added a lightning point-of-sale mode to their existing on-chain offering. We followed soon after with our own non-custodial point-of-sale mode back in early 2020, and a few months later, there was a small cadre of point-of-sale solutions for merchants who wanted to accept Bitcoin over lightning. After a little more sophistication, the second phase of building infrastructure began, and ever more infrastructure companies arose in ever more vertical niches. For example, some offer point-of-sale with fiat on-ramps, for example, Strike, and fiat off-ramps, for example, CryptoConvert, Ibex, etc. There are also self-hosted Bitcoin-only point-of-sale solutions operated locally, for example, LNBits, BTC Pay, LNPay, etc. To serve the variable amounts of liquidity merchants and users might need, think Spirit Halloween in April versus September, liquidity marketplaces have opened up. BitRefill's Thor began selling channels quite early on. Now liquidity management and channel funding have become a cottage industry in their own right, counting such participants as Lightning Network Plus, Magma from Amboss, and Lightning Pool. Synonym's Block Tank is on track to become a multi-purpose LSP with a broad palette of services, and Bolt.Observer is a service tailored to LSPs that helps them to monitor the state of their nodes. The same thing is happening to gaming, Zebedee and Thunder Games, streaming media, Breeze, Wavelake, and Fountain, financial trading, LN Markets, Collider, and Loft, chat and social media, Sphinx, Zion, Starbacker, and Geyser, news and commentary, Stacker News. Beyond the functional differentiation, there is also geographical specialization, which makes sense given regulatory differences and localization needs. Bitcoin Beach, though not exactly a company, famously helped to foster the adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador by priming the local circular economy in El Zante. 
Bitnob is helping Africans stack sats and accept remittances. Vietnam is leading the world in Bitcoin adoption for the second year in a row. And one reason is that Neutron Pay has been feeding the market with lightning-based solutions. Also in Southeast Asia, Pouch.ph has been bringing lightning to the Filipino masses. So where is this trend of increasing specialization leading? It's no exaggeration to say that there are now more vertical markets, each containing several companies in the Lightning ecosystem than there were Lightning companies only five years ago. As a social system, a technology and organizational structure through which we interact with each other, Lightning is becoming far more sophisticated. The Future of Functional Differentiation Specialization is so widespread in social structures because it increases efficiency and productivity, which in turn fosters growth. Although the web of 1995 was structurally far simpler than the web of 2005 or 2015, it became easier to use with each passing decade. As a result, the pool of 16 million early adopters grew by an even billion in 10 years, and now nearly 70% of the world's population use it regularly. It might sound counterintuitive, but greater specialization and sophistication feed growth. And it's how lightning will grow too. As more and more experts from more and more different fields of activity discover lightning and integrate it into the solutions they're providing anyway, more and more users will be onboarded, often without even knowing about it. Take Sonoda, for example. They connect lightning payment apps to smart meters to help make energy payments instantaneous, final, and based on real-time prices. Gas and electricity flow in one direction, sats flow in the other. It's a great idea whatever means of exchange it uses, and it just happens to make more sense with Lightning. If they can deliver efficiency gains to their users, then they'll be onboarding people onto the network who may have never heard of Lightning and who don't care in the least about multipath payments or anchor channels. For us on the Lightning side, the challenge is going to be making adoption easy without sacrificing the technological integrity of our solutions and to keep the barriers as low as possible for all incoming users, be they LSPs, merchants, consumers, lightning wizards, or complete noobs. Of course, one way to meet this challenge is with more specialization, different offerings for different user groups. If we get this right, growth will come organically, naturally, and inevitably. All right, that wraps up Roy Scheinfeld's uh, the maturation of lightning growing up by going vertical. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor and we will jump back in. There is no team out there quite like the crew at Swan Bitcoin. And the best way for businesses, for institutions, for high net worth individuals to get the Swan team at their disposal, at their beck and call, and to learn from those who have built the best and have been there through thick and thin in this space is through the Swan private service. It is the concierge service for the Bitcoiner, and that goes all the way from, from the serious OG to the fresh off the boat. They will walk you through self-custody, hardware wallets, setting up business accounts, um, strategy for purchasing and risk management, your trust account, plugging it into your retirement or your IRA, uh, long-term strategies, and, uh, and phenomenal analysis and breakdowns of what's happening in the space. 
It is one of, I mean, I'm, I'm a big reader, and it is one of the things that I read a lot. There could not be a more perfect example than the fact that you would have known about FTX and Alameda, Celsius, BlockFi, Luna, and TerraUSD, and numerous other disasters before they blew up, and while you could have still saved your money, your Bitcoin, from their exposure. Though you shouldn't have been using them anyway, Swan is there to help protect those who have not yet learned the ways of Bitcoin only. Go through my link to check out everything they have to offer and set up your recurring savings plan, an automatic purchase, and automatic withdrawal directly to your cold card, directly to your hardware, your multi-sig, whatever your cold storage of choice is. And check them out. They're at mylinkswanbitcoin.com slash guy where you will see my gorgeous face up at the top of the page and they will know that I sent you over there. And thank you to those guys for supporting Bitcoin Audible for so long. They have been longtime supporters of the show and they're awesome. So check them out, swanbitcoin.com slash guy. Link in the show notes. Roy has always had his finger on the pulse of lightning. He's always, I've been a huge fan. I, I keep up with most of what he writes, basically. Um, and uh, I generally try to keep up with things that are written on Bitcoin. But um, uh, I think he's always had some really great insights. My first, my, my two favorite pieces the, the one actually that is not Roy's that I've been waiting to really see come to fruition, but I think it naturally is going to be a much longer time scale for this to actually arise because it requires, it's kind of a towards the end of lightning evolution or maturation for this to come about. But the lightning network reference rate, essentially the rate and the rate that you can get for liquidity on the global payments network. So it makes sense that that's kind of an end of the line or uh, maybe post, uh, you know, middle of the way through hyper-Bitcoinization that something like that will actually arise. But one of the things that Roy, I feel like, I, I mean, at least from my perspective, from the things that I saw and was reading about, like it was, it was, Roy was the first one to introduce this idea to me in a concrete form, like in a, in a detailed, like laid out conception of the lightning service provider of the LSP. And that's essentially what Breeze Wallet is. And that's become one of the dominant mechanisms of, of essentially onboarding people into, into lightning. And it's become a major service. And I think it's actually going to grow and expand. And I think he's right that what we're going to see is even specialization among LSPs and among the stacks of providing LSPs. Like, you know, one service to actually figure out where liquidity needs to go, one service where you're running your node like Voltage or something like that, where they're running the backend infrastructure and basically doing all the things for you and you keep you just keep your seed phrase. Um, you know, it's non-custodial in that way. Like they can't take your coins, but they're running your infrastructure just like a cloud service provider does um and then have a front end like wallet service or uh wallet you know dev kit or whatever where the users onboard to you but i think i think what we're seeing and what we've been watching for a long time is i mean exactly what roy says here is we're watching specialization happen we're watching the system become increasingly more complex and multifaceted and a lot more services basically direct themselves into one particular niche and i also think this aligns with 
what I believe that there are actually going to be different corners of the Lightning Network, so to speak. There's not one Lightning Network. It is interoperable, but there will be many different things that plug into the Lightning Network. And there's actually a, an interesting theory, especially with the Fediment idea that has come about uh, more recently. Um, and essentially the use of sidechains and the Uncle Jim sort of model is the ability to actually have uh, Lightning be almost a settlement layer between individual payment networks and um, individual like federated networks. So you can you can continually granularize the sharing of custody and the sharing of risk and management of keys such that you could have like let's say you actually have like you know five or six like really technical know-how we'll just use the bitcoin uh community as an example let's say like me giacomo btc sessions uh ben carmen and odell we do a uh um federated multi-sig fediment we create a quote-unquote private payment network a fediment payment network that other users can join and then each one of us has a large lightning node with liquidity into the fediment we swap the fediment um the the internal fediment tokens for lightning payments so people can pay out across the lightning network but they have privacy within the fediment so if you know one person is paying another person who is using the same fediment then they have, uh, which is essentially just a sidechain for those who don't know. Um, we've done a couple of episodes about them, and just because I've mentioned it here, I'll uh, I'll be sure to put the link in the show notes if you want to like check it out. But it's essentially it's Chalmian eCash. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if that made it any uh, less confusing. It's um it's a way to privately send uh funds within an ecosystem, like within a network. By essentially having blind signatures, I'm able to sign and know that a transaction is valid without actually knowing what the details of the transaction are. And it's just a trick of cryptography. Really old. You know, it's, well, I mean, old-ish. It's like late 80s or whatever. Maybe, maybe early 80s, actually. But anyway, it's just a cryptographic trick to be able to sign and validate that information is correct without actually being able to see the information. And so in doing so, in our example, is the five of us that I mentioned before could run a network, could, could host a five of five multi-sig of a set of funds and basically all be signatories to help facilitate transactions within the network. But anybody who deposited and then moved fund, like made payments to other people in our Fediment network there would be, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't necessarily know how funds were moving about. We could maybe make deductions or, you know, if like one person, you know, deposited 50 Bitcoin and everybody else deposited 0.1 Bitcoin. And at some point we noticed that 40 Bitcoin move. It's like, okay, well, we know who, who has control over that much Bitcoin. But that's, a, that's beside the point and it's not really important. The idea, though, is that we have a subnetwork. We have it would be integrated with Lightning, and we could make payments from a from within the Fediment out to Lightning, and we could make payments 
from our vetiment, from our little isolated subnetwork to someone else's isolated subnetwork. Like let's say Blockstream, Lightning Labs, Ellen Markets, Breeze and Roy Scheinfeld, and you know, somebody else, they have their own vetiment somewhere else, but everybody's connected to the Lightning Network. Well, the Lightning Network can actually be a settlement between these subnetworks. Now, obviously, I have no idea if this is how it will evolve, but I think there will be something to this degree. And, and partly because I think, A, Lightning is so good at integrating and communicating between things, and B, Lightning's liquidity problem kind of lends itself to benefiting from that environment, to benefiting as a joint communication tool. And it's also, it's also uh, like chain network system agnostic it doesn't really care what what is on the other end of it that's why taro is actually able to send stable coins send dollar tokens um centralized tokens of some sort over lightning as well is because you can easily just set an exchange rate with the end node and the beginning node and then you're still just moving sats in between but that sort of ubiquity because lightning is really just kind of an arrangement it's, it's just kind of a security arrangement in the moving of funds it kind of sits at the center of anything else that you would want to do with bitcoin you could have multi-signature networks you could have and actually this is funny the daily bitcoiner i, I noticed this in the newsletter today um uh, just earlier today i noticed it when i uh i got it in my email um, I usually just kind of re read the headlines and see if there's any article or something that I want to dig into. And um, for some reason, and I think it was Sam or Sam Callahan from Swan, maybe? I don't know. But for some reason, a really, really old article that I wrote back from February 2017 um, has resurfaced. And uh, I saw it shared around in a couple of different places. But it's funny, I hadn't even thought about this in quite some time. Uh, but it's definitely one that I'm surprised has not come about, has not been tried, so to speak. And I think it's really timely. And this, this is probably why it showed back up is because Lightning is actually an incredibly useful tool for solving both the proof of reserves problem of exchanges and also the the exchange is gets hacked and everybody's funds are lost problem so again just to just to lay out the simple idea um if anybody hasn't heard it and if anybody's thinking about making an exchange and wants to take advantage of this i would really love to see this actually attempted um is that every deposit like, you have to make an on-chain transaction to deposit Bitcoin. Why not make that on-chain transaction opening a channel? Like, like, why not just make it a channel? Everyone already has two transactions for every single time they op operate with an exchange. You could actually bridge. You could make so much additional efficiency and lower so much of the um, load on the Bitcoin network the essentially help the scaling of uh, of the bitcoin network by doing this by simply having it auto open a channel rather than just making a blanket on-chain deposit 
So let's just take a simple scenario. I'm trying to put one Bitcoin on an exchange and, uh, and I do that, but the, the, chan the, the, the transaction is made directly into a channel. Like I don't know this is happening necessarily, um, but I'm just opening a channel with the exchange with one Bitcoin on my side and they don't have to offer up any liquidity. We don't need to do that yet. Um, and now I can, now I have a one Bitcoin deposit onto the exchange. However, I am holding the keys. This is in a lightning channel. So there is no question as to whether or not the exchange has my coins because the coins are in my channel verified on my side by my wallet and they literally cannot move without my signature. So proof of reserves is already obsoleted in this situation. And the channel itself and the keys associated with it, the signature that proves it came through my channel, can be my account. Like, that, that's my authentication is that I'm using my channel. So it's like natively built in and there's not right, it, it's not a whole lot unlike LN Markets. LN Markets is one of the best things to actually take advantage of this sort of thing. But um, just because you're actually using your uh, signing within the channel as Ellen Author, as your user account. However, the service itself is still just custodial. You just, you just put a balance onto uh, Ellen Markets and then they're custodying it, custodying it for you. But back to the example, let's say you are buying a put option or a a call option and someone else who has a channel is buying a call option. They're, they're buying the opposite and both of the money that we put into the trade is immediately locked up with the exchange in each channel. Basically have like a HODL HTLC, which is just like a little trick to be able to pause a transaction in the midst of it. And you can even have it um, basically locked to the hash uh, of associated with the trade. So essentially both individual people can actually still denote or, or, or prove essentially that the hash is like the execution of the trade and the consequent hash of yes or no, or uh, you won or you lost um, ends up being what actually unlocks the coins. So this actually isn't a whole lot unlike lightning pool actually. Because Lightning Pool does this, they're essentially able to match buyers and sellers of liquidity on Lightning by essentially having a Lightning arrangement with the, the person who's trying to get liquidity and the person who is trying to sell liquidity. And they can be a market maker, they can ba basically be a matchmaker between them without anyone actually having to custody with the service. So it's a non-custodial financial service that truly just behaves as a network, as a service to connect people for a very specific specialized use case or means of interacting with Lightning, and it is its own little world. And only the people who care about Lightning liquidity and are operating within the Lightning pool care about the outcome, and everybody can essentially verify for themselves what the outcome is, and if something doesn't go right or the math doesn't check out on either side, um, everybody can just like halt and eventually everyone gets their money back because it's all time locked for either everything worked out properly or essentially nothing happens. And then back to the scenario where you're using this in like an exchange situation is when you're adding liquidity or somebody makes an additional deposit 
you can keep you just splice in and out the same channel so you're just constantly refreshing it. and i think maybe probably the big reason this hasn't been used is because there's just a lot to work out like splicing still isn't very common even to this day it's been talked about a lot but i don't even know of a service that actually splices on the fly and there is now just now recently i think it was on a I think it was it jam or un no jam was a join market interface i can't remember what it was if i if i remember to look it up i'll uh i'll find it and i'll post a link to it but it's something that you can download for your umbral node um and maybe for my node or raspy blitz or embassy i don't really know um i haven't looked for it on all of them but it's one where it does that on your side is that when you deposit Bitcoin to it, it automatically opens a lightning channel. So you don't have to, you don't have multiple steps. The, the act of making, sending the Bitcoin to the node immediately turns it into a channel. Essentially your receiving address is a channel, even though you don't necessarily know it. And this is where I think, this is where everything is headed. This is, this is why I'm so excited about like Synonym and BitKit, the BitKit wallet. That's the one I've been trying out a lot recently and um, it's still in beta, but there's so much potential here. And Roy brings it up in this is their block tank LSP um, is running on the back end or whatever. And it really tries to simplify and not separate the lightning and the Bitcoin denominations like they they behave as one and essentially you select how much you want in your savings versus your spending and it's a little slider and you just you literally just slide to whatever amount that you want in spending uh on the fly and then uh it just opens a channel for you you just you quote unquote you onboard onto lightning and they're also talking about if if you haven't listened to the episode where we talk with John Carvalho or he has a really good uh good episode on TFTC recently as well is just in time channels jit channels where if you receive a payment you can actually have it even if you receive an on-chain payment they can just immediately have it turn into a lightning channel and push the funds to your side of the channel and you just have no idea that this is happening this is automatic on the back end and it basically it treats Bitcoin and Lightning as a single stack, as a single mode of monetary communication. And all of the complexity and the very idea of channels, which I know is hard for some people to wrap their heads around and they have no idea what I'm saying when I try to explain stuff like this. It's just completely obfuscated into the background. Nobody knows. It just works. And even though I've probably brought it up on every single episode in the last few weeks, um, what's happening with Keat and slash tags and hole punch and hyper punch, uh, hyper punch, hyper core, um, this, this entire stack of essentially peer to peer offering of applications and data streams, what, what is, what is essentially trying to completely rethink the client server model on the internet where everyone is just a peer and you can be a peer feeding data or a peer receiving data but there's not a an explicit like this is a server and this is explicitly a computer that has all of this software and all of this housing and all of this network designed to feed information to people and then you are a user 
you can't run a server. Server is a pain in the butt for you. You're behind a NAT and a local network. And so you can't host a website on your home computer. It's essentially trying to completely destroy that model um, by creating a means of connection and a means of finding each other on the network, which is exactly what BitTorrent does. The file sharing programs or file sharing protocol uh, uses in order to find peers so that everybody is offering up the data as like they're indistinguishable, right? The, the sender and the receiver are the same. They are just equal peers on the network. Um, they're trying to essentially take this model and they're trying to turn it into the entire internet rather than an extremely specialized and static network where you make a file into a torrent and then you put the torrent onto the network and then people just download it and you can't change it afterward. It's static. You have to have like a client to view it. Um, it's very, very limited. Um, it's, it's incredible for the way it splits up and distributes data, but it's stuck. It's like stuck in time. After you create the thing, there's no updating, there's no changing. You have to create an entirely new one to have a different file or to just update the file. Whereas this is live streams. So you can have a social media feed, you can have a podcast RSS feed, you can have an email address and data server, you can have an actual application, like the application itself can be a stream and people can just get the updates by connecting to you. And it's got integrity and encryption and things built in. This is, this is a really, really big deal in the context of the specialization of Lightning because this is a perfect way to actually connect the Lightning Network to all of these microservices and the ability to offer up services from any device. From my Embassy Pro node, which I'm, fingers crossed, is coming in the next week or two. Um, or I guess it would be, in, it's like the first week or two of December. Um, but I'm going to be very, very impatient about it. Um, and <laughs> But when, when that comes, like that's exactly the sort of thing where I could charge like a very small fee and I am just a peer on the network. Like I'd no longer have to run an Apache server in my household and port forward and all of this stuff. Be able to, to, the, the ability to use these things together and monetize them is fundamentally the mechanism necessary to change the infrastructure of the internet. Like it's an insanely, insanely ambitious idea. And there have been so many people who have attempted to solve this in so many different ways. But what's funny is this one's just simple enough. It is, it is just, it works just well enough and is absolutely as simple as the Lego blocks can get that as we, I think this is going to help accelerate the specialization of lightning that Roy is talking about because you are going to be able to offer so many services that are attached to a public key, which could just be your lightning instance and that you can have built in lightning payments. It just, it's, it's so hard to get across. Like I, I hope that some people can begin to grasp or see the image of the things in my head for how these things can relate to each other and the relationships um, that can be built because it, it genuinely solves the fundamental problems I think, and is actually working. And as we specialize, you need the authentication. You need the encryption. You need the data integrity 
integrity that you get with public keys. You need the ability to easily and instantly attach a packet to a payment or to the proof of a payment. And this is essentially so, there's, there's so few steps in having to do that when you work with the base of Hypercore, of the, the protocol that creates this peer-to-peer -peer network because it's got public keys built in, because it's got data integrity built in, because it's built on public keys. And because you can actually, you're, you actually just use it, it's built off of, you can do a BIP 39 seeds. Like you can do it just like Bitcoin. You could use your Bitcoin keys to create your identity, to receive payments, and to attach it and to attach uh, and sign the integrity of a packet of data. And the data is completely agnostic. It can be anything. It can be an application. It can be a service. It can be an app store. It can be a payment network. It can be a trading and exchange service. You can literally do anything because it's totally agnostic. And these are like base foundational pieces so it's like this is just the beginning I, I genuinely think we're if this continues to work if this continues to accelerate and continues to stay decentralized even as it scales which i think actually BitTorrent kind of proves that it can and basically will but i'm i'm obviously open to the idea that maybe it won't because i don't want to get my hopes up too much but if it does keep working I think in 10 years, the amount, what's a good way, what's a good analogy? So in the same way that um, YouTube opened up the idea of media production to every moron with a camera, and this is actually why the legacy media did not take it seriously and did not take the internet seriously, is because they looked at YouTube and they looked at publishing on the internet and they saw 15-second videos of, you know, some random nine-year-old kid trying to jump over a chair in his yard or something. You know, it was just random, weird, quirky things. And those were like the early days of the internet. But what it proved, not only did some of those 15-second or one-minute videos become utterly famous and receive more views than like primetime nightly news. But what it proved was that was the access to media production and the access to media content consumers had completely shifted. Anybody could be a producer and anybody could be a consumer. And it was an open, broad market where the and the proof of it was that you could do 15 second 30 second stupid videos that make no sense that was proof that cnn and cable news should have been deathly afraid because it has utterly changed the dynamic of who can provide and who can consume what this does what lightning does in combination with a new peer-to-peer -peer architecture for connecting to and authenticating users and actually being able to build a trust model and reputation model on top of the degree of integrity that you get with that system basically makes basically does that same thing to service providers to data hosters to podcast streams and hosting services to website hosting services to message re messaging relays like email like i could i i i just have one reliable node 
and my brother has a reliable node and BTC Sessions has a reliable node, we could all offer up data persistence and essentially be a quote-unquote email provider where we can't read any of your emails. People can send you messages, and then as long as one of us are online and have the latest set of messages, you can just download it from us. We can offer a service. And we're doing the same thing with Lightning with the Uncle Jim model. Like I, th I think we're starting to see this specialization occur. And as we open up the entire market to anyone, when anyone becomes a peer and you no longer have to have enterprise hardware and a giant bandwidth connection because you can split it among many nodes and many connections in order to sync this data and, and make these streams available and then even offer up uh you know platforms like literally app stores with a degree of integrity and a way to measure reputation and trust uh, it's, it's still the very very beginning but I think it does to the current internet infrastructure what the internet infrastructure did to the cable news and closed permission networks in network incumbents. It is it is genuinely the ability to redesign and functionally shift how the internet works from the ground up. And it, it is absolutely critical like this is one of those things that is so crucial that it happens now because of the pressures because of the degrees of control that now the internet incumbents believe they are that they can decide your filter they can decide what the correct opinion is or the quote facts what the facts are and what the truth is and they can block everything but the approved message from the political elite they have abused their position so badly. This is exactly why we need routes around them. And the only routes around them that will work are, are if they are monetizable and if they have data integrity. If we know and can prove who each other are on this network. You solve a couple of those basic fundamental problems and you've got something that can literally change the world again as much as the internet has it's it's so exciting and what's funny is that none of this was possible without the payment network none of this is possible without lightning because you cannot as soon as you integrate advertisements as soon as you try to monetize with a closed permissioned network the network itself the whatever you're trying to build ends up being closed and permissioned because you can't get around the fact that the only reason the infrastructure is sustainable is because you have a closed permissioned advertising network that keeps the thing funded. So you have to have a decentralized open protocol for censorship resistant payments in order to house, in order to actually fuel the decentralized peer-to-peer uh, uh, -peer encrypted infrastructure. Like it's a little bit of a chicken and egg problem in a sense, but essentially one is not possible without the other. So they grow in tandem and with each other. And actually, and you know, this is actually something that Roy kind of gets at just in general in the idea of specialization, which I think this partners with very, very well, is that specialization is needed in order to facilitate growth, but specialization is also the consequence of growth. It's an indication that growth has occurred. 
So anyway, um, I just thought this was a really great article and I wanted to hit this one uh, really quick. Happy almost Thanksgiving to everybody. A uh, huge thank you to the sponsors for this show. Um, uh, Fold, Swan Bitcoin, and CoinKite and the cold card hardware wallet. They make this show possible. They keep me caffeinated and keep the battery charged on my MacBook. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, also thank you to Roy always for just having great writing and uh, uh, building the Breeze wallet with him and the team. Uh, they've really, they truly have built something amazing. It's a, it's always, always a great wallet. Um, and one that I like to recommend as a, as the best in privacy and the best in non-custodial when it comes to lightning through an LSP. So I'll have the link in the show notes if you have not checked out the Breeze wallet yet. Um, and, uh, yeah, we will close this one here. Um, got some really fun stuff. Uh, Matt Hill from Start9. We just had a conversation with him the other day. We went for two hours. Like it was, it was a rip. It was amazing. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm hoping to have this out tomorrow on Thanksgiving, uh, so you can enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner uh, while listening to Bitcoin Audible. Maybe you're doing a little traveling. I hope. I hope this will be a good, a good thing to accompany you on your journeys. So with that. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to upvote or boost on a fountain. We want Bitcoin Audible at the top of the leaderboard. And I will catch you next time on Bitcoin Audible. I am Guy Swan. And until then, everybody, take it easy, guys. We are still in the first minutes of the first day of the internet revolution. Scott Cook This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>